Will you pave your drive? No, we'll untermark tarmac it. Untarmac it. <laughs> oh, what would you do? What would you need to do to get a full crack? Guys, I wish you could see the athlete's body on display right now. In a way, you you were both the defensive general and the mercurial Finn Russell sort of uh, playmaker, and that's difficult to do. WWDCD, what would Dan Carter do? <laughs> I don't wish to be a Jamie Roberts, but I am going to be eating a bag of Dolly mixtures and rustling, Finn rustling, my sweets. Can you stop coughing? <laughs> So we've got the Zoom recording, we've got the audio recording, we've got low recording. Is that all we need to do? Superb. Okay, I'm bugging my headphones in. And here we are. Well, I never. What a day of rugby. What a a 24 hours it's been, Catherine. We are recording this on the eve of the 6th of Feb. So what have we seen, Kath? We have seen a clinical performance from France. We've seen them dismantle, demolish Italy, which was to be expected. Uh, and then we have seen Scotland record a famous victory against England. What an exciting and dramatic start to the Six Nations. Yeah. Thank you, France. Thank you, Scotland. Yeah. Although Scotland should have been so far ahead on the scoreboard. That stressed me right out. It was a complete performance. It was so dominant throughout. England were not in it at all. And yet it was tense right up to the end with missed kicks and dodgy drop goal yeah. attempts and incredibly frustrating. But the scoreline, yeah, 11-6, that is, that's not a representation of the game at all, is it? That doesn't reflect what we saw. Um, but yeah, excellent, brilliant, buzzing. Stuart Stocky Hogg single-handedly demonstrating that there is a place for 15s, a, a, a real 15. No one else can do what he does. He was absolutely magnificent. Also earlier today, Doulin for France, who's not even their first choice 15. I, th- I would have thought Boutier was their first choice 15. Also had a real sort of fullbacks game. So maybe they've listened to the pod and maybe they've thought, well, this is it then. We need to up our, up our game, up our profile. That's the only conclusion... That's the only conclusion I'd come to. So Hugh must have got them onto it because he's a well-connected fella. So maybe Hugh Jenkins, yeah, sent it on. So my other takeaway Mm. is not about the rugby, but I just wrote down on a post-it note, golden gusset. (laughs) Because once I saw that the Scottish players' shorts had like a weird golden... I just couldn't unsee it and it haunted me for the rest of the game. I also um, wrote down a few things um, from the Italy-France game, just some things that the commentator said. Um, He knows he's about to get absolutely slotted. That was one that I wrote down. thought that was good. Um, It's David Flatman, isn't it? It is, it is. And this one, I'm sure, was an innuendo. He said, you can hold it if you really want to hold it. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, with so, arms like that, once they're clamped on, they're staying on. 
that's all I've got from the Italy-France game. That's the content for that one. But anyway, we're, we're dealing with England-Scotland. I'm getting carried away. I'm so excited. No, there are a couple of things I want to say. I was particularly impressed um, at the start of the second half with Scotland and the way that they dealt with that situation and just tightened up. They were really focused, thorough, clinical, and just, yeah, watched the clock go down until Russell was back. You know, it was very like something had shifted for them that they were like, okay, yeah, we know precisely what we need to do here and we're going to do it. Yeah, I I was really impressed. Game management, golden gusset game management. There we go. I I think game management is going to be the theme aside from golden gusset which will be the sort of that's the strap line isn't it that's 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 how we're going to get jock strap line (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) i um submitted to instagram to fab rugby's instagram when they were like give us your unpopular opinions six Nations style my one was owen farrell is overrated and i stand by that what an absence of game management in England. Ben Young's right from the outset clearly was not on his game. Itoji seemed really lethargic and numbering, but mostly they just seemed confused and undercooked. Scotland could have been three converted tries ahead. Easily. To, to call back to another previous pod, Scotland's work on has got to be converting your point, like Absolutely. 70% possession. Yeah. Yeah. You play beautiful rugby. You've got some re- some of the most exciting players in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. You've got to put them away. And the way Russell and Hogg were communicating, they were Gorgeous. on the same page completely. Oh. Hogg's kicking from hand was insane. But yeah, some yeah. of those missed kicks were frustrating. Because they could have just relaxed a little bit then if they go eight points ahead, 11 points ahead. I imagine what Gatlin's writing down is... Hog at 15. Johnny, Johnny Gray and and, <laughs> yeah. and Hog. Like, yeah. those are your nailed-on lion starters. I thought Jamie George, who has been talked, like, talked up as, again, I think he probably is nailed on at two, but you know, his line-outs were always accurate, great, but actually, like, around the park, he wasn't really there. And like you said your Atojis and your Farrells. They've not done themselves any favours. No. And I think, like we were saying with Will and Ewan earlier, where are the leaders? If they're going to be Lions captains, they have to show that they can be leaders for their country, and they're just not. And yeah. I think that, like, surely... or the, What I imagine Warren Gatlin's looking at is, OK, England got absolutely sat on by South Africa. Sat like, on. <laughs> but they did... You know, like, they, they just couldn't <laughs> wriggle free. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they couldn't wriggle free, and they got absolutely... You know, Scotland have seen that and realised that the way to be England, because they don't really have a plan B or C... They're sort of turning into a bit like the All Blacks used to be. Like, if you disrupt them and if you make them uncomfortable, they can't wriggle, like, they can't play their game and they haven't got another way of doing it. And I think if you're Warren Gatland, you're going, well, I know that's what South Africa are going to try and do to the Lions. And I've just seen three of the biggest leaders in the English team sort of not, not back down, but they haven't sort of stepped up and maybe they are just slightly undercooked maybe yeah rusty uh and maybe uh, i think if they'd recorded a win today against all odds that would have been massive for them and they would have grown in stature throughout the tournament i think they would have taken that it would have filled them with confidence and then they would have just Mm. blossomed from there um 
but yeah, it was really striking. And the stats, I took a photo at the end. Let me see if I can get that photo up. Techers. <laughs> Carries 66 to 128. Meters made 358 to 540. Uh, the tackles made a miss. The penalties conceded 15 penalties. Oh, yeah. It was uh, dire from England, I think. They conceded 10 in the first half. And really, if you concede 10 or more in a game, you're going to lose, aren't you? Like, that's, and yet like, they still could have won at any point. That's what's so yeah. baffling about that match. Like, it's just bizarre. Yeah. Um, but I reckon if you are, and um, this is going to be a perfect segue, if you are, <laughs> if you are France, you're looking at that being like, fellas <laughs> in the words of David Flatman alright fella <laughs> like you'd be I, I think Antoine Dupont is the best rugby player male rugby player in the world he right now. is insane and so serious he's so intense he doesn't he never breaks his focus does he no there was a bit at the very end when he scored his try where he sort of had half a smile what if what if his sense of humour is is pratfalls is, is slapstick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he is intense, and it took me ages to work out that little move he did uh, in the lead up to one of the tries, where he was falling to his right, and then he threw it over Ooh. his left shoulder. I had to watch it over and over. Like, how has he physically done that? He's perfectly weighted. It was, yeah. And he's got everything. Like, he completely controls the game. He's got the vision. He's got the authority, the skill, the pace, the handling. It's mad to see. Yeah. You very accurately texted me that he's a nine, but he also plays like a 10, like, in terms of commanding the game. And I think that is so bang on. I wonder whether we might, this Six Nations, see him coming off at 55 or 60 every game so that they're building a little bit of strength and resilience because if he does get injured or if, you know, like if you think about the World Cup cycle, there might be a game where they want to rest him or a couple, you actually do need to have another nine in there or you need to see if the team can play without him in the same same way or, or still be as, as dominant. Another observation, this isn't necessarily rugby related, but do you not think that Jalibert is going for a bit of the Untamak volume and height on his hair, but he's got frosted tips? Yeah, frosted tips, <clears throat> frosted tipericks. <laughs> <laughs> Tipperick on a cold day, frosted tips. Terrible. I'm they, just they so just excited. They just keep coming. They're brilliant. They're absolutely <laughs> oh, brilliant. I've thought of another team name for a quiz. Um, nice and Garbeasy. Like nice <laughs> and easy. <laughs> so I'm going to ask that. And also, return of Untamak when he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. Yeah, I was pleased with Nice and Garbeasy. Very <laughs> pleased indeed. Also, Varney could not look more Welsh. He just... Oh, my gosh! <laughs> he's just a Welsh boy, isn't he? But he played really well, I thought. Yeah, I really yeah. was impressed by him. Agreed. Um, yeah. That try that they made down the left wing, mm. delightful. Ioanni, yeah. That was another thing with the commentator. Um, he said, if that's wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> I was like, God, oh, this is just so poetic. You, you need to listen. Whilst there's a lot of, like, blokiness that's sometimes a bit you've got to sort of get through it 
I do love listening to Flats and Shanks because it is the most homoerotic take <laughs> on rugby. Like, and I think it's very much self-aware. Like, yeah. they spend so much time objectifying men's bodies in rugby and talking about, like, the man inside you. <laughs> so, shout out, Die Flats. We actually have a few degrees of separation because he the other day shouted out someone called Rosa Rankin G who is a writer who I don't know how he knows her but she's a very good friend of our very good friend Alex Walker I don't know how we're all connected die flats if you want to pop on the pod friend of the pod friend of the pod die flats we'd absolutely love that now Catherine the other thing that we were going to talk about is the other major game of the weekend which was last night's Hinlardva quiz I rugby quiz very good, very good. Um, yeah, controversial. It always is controversial, though, isn't it? Um, yeah, so just to say, um, there were a total of uh, 56 points on offer in that quiz. How many points do you think Paul and I secured? Well, I know that you you secured 53 points. 53, so we've only dropped three points across four rounds. This has happened twice now where Paul and I <laughs> announce our score and then someone comes in at the end and they happen to just have one point more than us, which is very interesting indeed. It's um, becoming a bit of a pattern. This was the person who, uh, in the first round where we posted a really high score, no one believed us until he said he had a similarly high score and everyone's like, mm, yeah, well played, well played. <laughs> we were like, oi, so you believe him. Um, but yeah, so Ollie had 54 but Ollie had the five bonus points from Katie Haynes for the team name. And the team name was topical, but it was not rugby related. Whereas mine and Paul's, the Adams family, was both topical and rugby related. So we have won that quiz as well, I'll say. <laughs> I've... I've been rereading texts. I've been worrying about the neutrality of the quiz being called into question. So... If there's anyone out there who would like to be a guest judge for best team Die Flats, maybe. Mate, Die Flats. Actually, he's going to have to listen back to my list of team names so that he knows the kind of quality. Go to episode one, Lost Backward, Die. (laughs) Have a listen through. It is an hour long, and there's gold in there. You have to sift for the gold a little bit, but it is in there. Um, And then come back to us, drop us. I mean, there's no contact details for us yet as a pod, but you'll know how to get in touch. Yeah, you'll find a way. Um, you'll find a way and um, come and judge our team names. But so Catherine, I've been thinking a lot about um, your desire for perfection because I think where you and Paul are going is full marks in a quiz. Now, that striving for perfection has reminded me of another friend of the pod who I'm sure will be a guest, I don't know, in the next couple of weeks probably. Um, And that's rugby's Daniel Carter. So I wanted to just read you an extract from his ghost-written autobiography. Um, One thing we talk about over and over with this current all-black side is about never focusing on the outcome. We view the outcome as a function of following our processes. That might sound a little dry to some, but looking back at every major loss we've had over the years, they mostly started with us thinking too far ahead of the game. I think he says it more eloquently in Dan Carter, Perfect Ten, um, which again is a film that reminds me so much of your story. (laughs) He talks about how 
the 2015 World Cup final, he suddenly realises why all the loss and injury and heartache happened before. It was to lead him to the the biggest achievement of his life, doing something that transcends sport. And I think that's where you and Paul are heading. Paul is the silent assassin. I, I think to also think about a positive for England, which is going to sound like a negative, but I actually think it's positive. Historically, England have struggled a little bit with timing when it comes to major tournaments, like peaking a tiny bit too early Mm. or not quite managing expectation. Because the reality is, for an English national team, there is always a lot of expectation. This might play into their hands thinking about 2023 because this Six Nations could become an opportunity or even though it's forced their hand because of players withdrawing Mm. and injury for them to bring players like your Genges, like your Ben Urbanos who deserve to be there and like deserve to I think like get some starts as well as just come off the bench to to build depth and consistency having a squad that is really really kind of strong together and able to slot in and out this gives England an opportunity to to work on that because they have to because of circumstance. Um, Redpath must be delighted that he picked Scotland Ooh, and he was on fire mate. today. Oh, loved watching him. Really good. Van der Merwe was brilliant, I thought. Yeah, really exciting. Okay. Yeah. I had a couple of moments watching Scotland and then also watching France where I was like, this looks a bit like a Sean Edwards team. I mean, one of them is a Sean yeah. Edwards team. But like in terms of like the way that they play for each other Mm. and sacrifice for each other, which is a defence. Like, that comes out in defence. Like, how much are you willing to stick by your Mm. mates? How much do you trust them? And I think that's the difference that Scotland have built over the last year or two. Like, now, like, really, the unsung hero of that performance was their defence. Like, whilst their attack, like, their backs missed some kicks and, you know, like, didn't put away everything, I don't think you could fault their defence at all. No. Like, they played for each other. They they showed how tight they are. And I think that's missing from Italy. Like, I think they want to play rugby a bit like Scotland do. And when it works, they score lovely tries and I think they're, they're great to watch. But they there's not that sort of... that sense of being, like, elastic like they're all connected and they're just expanding and contracting across the pitch together russell and hogg are very close and it's kind of permeating you know it's um i think you can really see it they're all banding together for sure there's something really delightful about watching two people who just love rugby who play a bit like they are being told to come in for tea by their mam and it's getting dark like that's what i feel like when i see hoggy and and russell like, that's the opposite of the vibe that Dupont gives off. I don't know. I st- I think with Dupont, though, you can see the little kid. Like with Faf de Klerk, yeah. you can see the young boy who was really passionate about it, but was told he was small and wasn't going to make it, and then became very serious about it. Obviously, Faf de Klerk has a, a real edge to him that maybe Dupont doesn't. Like, sort of Dupont- like me. <laughs> yeah. But I can see that in them, but they've just become... Like, I don't think... To call back to a previous pod, they're not automatons. You know, they are. They're just very focused and disciplined and drilled. Um, and I loved the way that Dupont would like feed Fiku and Teddy Tomar, then they'd pass it back. You know, there was a lot of like, yeah, go on then, lads. Let's. We're all in this. We're all having a good time. Calf. I thought I'd introduce a new section to the pod yeah. called 
with whom would you rather oh nice where I'm going to give you some scenarios yeah. and you're going to tell me which rugby player you'd rather do that with. Love this. So I thought, let's do this for, for Six Nations players, okay? So okay. you can't answer Patrick Tupelotu for every single <laughs> one. But we'll we'll do a Patrick one <laughs> later on. Can I just say as well, this is where I'm going to get full marks because I can't be wrong here because I'm just giving my opinion. I'm just giving my preference. So I'm just going to nail and, this and one. that's what a good coach does, everyone. That's... <laughs> um, with whom would you rather get on the sesh? Sesh. Mm. Get the beers in. Sesh. So a six nation doesn't have to be Welsh. Six nations. I'm giving you. I know, but to I'm just from. thinking about the Welsh boys, aren't I? I think it would be Hogg or Russell, actually, <laughs> or the two of them together. <laughs> Great. I think. I think that's yeah. Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg together would be ideal. With whom would you rather? attempt to cancel your sky broadband oh you can't cancel sky you can't cancel virgin it's impossible you need someone calm under pressure perhaps with a legal background yeah you yeah you do need an alan Wynne jones don't you Mm. because he'd go straight in like look mate you need to sort this out i'm alan Wynne jones Um, (laughs) (laughs) shortest conversation ever that's a great choice now i know who my choice is for the next one probably would be my choice for literally all of them with whom would you rather host a family barbecue i think back in the day hadley parks would have been great for a barbecue he's got that vibe he gets everyone round he's chilled he'd have the beers he'd yeah he'd cook up some great meat um i mean it might be a falatau for something like that he'd be my choice every day of the week and then finally, and this is the greatest honour, an honour I have not yet had bestowed upon myself and I probably never will. With whom would you rather do one of your 50-mile cycles? Well, I do cycle on tips because my bike is called Tips. So I'm regularly going on cycles Very with Very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, Riding Tips all around <laughs> South Wales. Filth. I literally am. Um, yeah, good handling, sleek, quick, um, smart. Stop describing me. It's getting bad. <laughs> um, a 50-mile cycle. They tell me Bradley Davis was a real athlete in his prime, so he would be good to go cycling with. And he's got a bit of chat, hasn't he? Um, yeah, good chat, Bradley Davis, famously. I really can't get away from the Welsh boys. That's bad, isn't it? No, We're not all. Do you know what? Pod. I... Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> this just in, Welsh pod is biased. <laughs> um... How about Simon Zebo? I think he'd be absolutely excellent company on a long cycle. He is loving life. And then at the end, we'd just have loads of cheese and wine and bread. Oh my gosh, yeah. That would um... be good. I wouldn't mind going for one with Dan Bigger. That'd be all right. Um, interesting yeah he'd give you some chat but not too much and well that's what you want on a cycle if you're going up a steep sort of steep hill because you know i like elevation as your brother says i'm obsessed with elevation games (laughs) so um that's and i think that's one of the reasons we work as a pod we complement each other is you're obsessed with elevation games and i'm obsessed with bulk games mm, just gains isn't it just gains golden gusset gains (laughs) So Wales Island, what are we saying? 
I'm saying from my extensive research, which is looking at the WRU Instagram for the last couple Uh of days, players look happy. Mm. Players look very happy to be back in the Principality. Yes. Ken Owens was saying that. But are they going to be... How big a blow do you think the Josh Adams saga is... I think it's I think for this particular game it's pretty irrelevant because I'm not imagining it's going to be a game of free-flowing hand-to-hand rugby I think it's going to be a lot of upfront big battles and I think one thing that is promising or has been promising from the end of the Autumn Nations Cup to now is that shift to playing Faletau and Tips in the wider channels so So like I like if I've got Salupi Falatau or Justin Tipperick on a wing, great. <laughs> like um, if that if that clicks again, that's exciting because yeah. it was starting to click into place. I thought it'll be really fascinating to see what kind of Ireland turn up because I think and what kind of Sexton turns up as well. Yeah, one of the reasons that Wales have been doing badly or you know kind of not as well as expected is because they're obviously trying to like change and shift stuff and develop their game and I think Ireland's are a bit like Wales and that they're a kind of older very established team who have like on usually when you play them you sort of know what to expect as a viewer Mm. and you rarely see them step outside that but it'd be interesting to see if they are also finding or try, if they if Ireland are like we need to find a different way of playing, they might be a bit more vulnerable because yeah. they're starting to try new things that haven't bedded in yet. A little bit yeah. like Wales. And if Wales then click and have something about them and quite sparky and vibrant, get a couple of early tries, I think they get rattled. I think Sexton loses his rag. I think it starts to unravel for them. And if I were braver, I nearly, (laughs) at the uh, start of the weekend, I wanted to put a bet on France, Scotland, Wales, but I was, I just bottled it. I was like, that's a big call. I'm not sure. Um, So yeah, I'm quite excited to see that happen. The pattern of the weekend so far is that hand-to-hand rugby is winning so the question tomorrow is who's going to play who's going to create that platform so they can better play hand-to-hand rugby oh the takeaways arrived so that's i'm going to have to go i think that's a really good idea if wales lose tomorrow next week we're getting stuffed if wales win tomorrow that's a fascinating tussle Finn Tussle. Finn Tussle's golden gusset. <laughs> well, we all want a lot of things. I want to be five foot five. Right then. So here, here we are. It is 6.06pm on the 7th of February 2021. Wales have just won 21 points to 16. I can't even remember. Now. I like. I feel like I've got memory loss. Um, against Ireland, I've lost. I'd say 10 years off my life and about six percent of my skin elasticity. Well, and we've also lost one, two, three, four, five, six players potentially ahead of next week. Yeah, a very costly victory. Um, 
it it had real flashes of Twickenham 2015 to me. It really did. It was just chaos. Except with a lot less composure and a lot more chaos. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, Twickenham 2015 was uh, every man not going down with the ship, but like giving everything that they could in difficult circumstances. Mm. And this was a, a hot mess of a trash can fire. <laughs> That also happened to double as a rugby game, but it was essentially the Hanforth Parish Council <laughs> writ large across the principality. You have no authority here, Billy Burns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. He was just trying to make Gareth Davis feel better after that woeful kick at the death. And then he thought, right, hold my beer. <laughs> I've got a worse Gareth kick. Davis, <laughs> all I have for you is a quote from Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. What you did was impulsive, capricious, and melodramatic. But it was also wrong. That <laughs> uh, was so terrible. Because we'd, we'd just had a few things go our way, a few errors from Ireland, uh, and then he Keep did your that. cool for 14 seconds, Gareth. Keep the ball in like, hand. What was that going to achieve? I don't want to feel like this whenever Wales play rugby, and I always do. I can't take <laughs> it. I, like, I can't watch it without my entire right side of my body tensing it. Like, I can't watch it without starting to do the moves. But I also can't not watch it. But I also can't watch it and just be like, well, they're doing their best. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had to apologise to Helen and to Claire and just say, like, believe it or not, I'm better than I used to be. And I was up and down and up and down. I can't sit still. I can't, yeah. (sighs) And the thing is, if that had been 15 against 15, I would take that as an exceptional win. You know, you know, we'd muscled it and yeah. we'd ground it out. But 15 against 14, I just... So the first sort of 15 minutes of the game, pretty high intensity, some nice quick ball off the back of some Welsh mm-hmm. rucks. Like th- things were looking quite we interesting. Control, I thought, for the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. On about the 14-minute mark... Peter Romani, and I'm using inverted commas, which you can't see on a podcast, but cleans out uh, Thomas Francis um, using his elbow to his face, which is one of the most direct red cards, <laughs> like un- uncontestably red, um, I think you've ever seen, which at the time Wayne Barnes waved <laughs> nothing away. There, nothing there, just a good um, clear out. Nothing yeah, in that just, a, just a good clear just, out. Uh, one yeah. of those things. Um, which thanks TMOs mm. for for bringing him back to that. Um, which I don't think was the thing that changed the game. The thing that changed the game was Dan Lydia, his knee giving way beneath him as he was going for a tackle, and I think the loss of Dan Lydia, weirdly enough, I think the loss of Dan Lydia galvanised the Irish. Mm. I think if. If Peter O'Mahony had got red carded and Lids had stayed on and not got injured, then I don't think we would have seen the game that we saw. But, like, the Irish really, I mean, wow, a performance with 14 men, like, really took it up a notch. Like, a little bit like the the last Lions test with New Zealand when Sonny Bill got sent off quite early and they just went... Like, they they were amazing. They're all over the park. I mean, they should have won... But Ireland played the only style of rugby I've ever seen Ireland play. And I hate saying this because, like, I want to feel excited when there's an Ireland game. 
but I feel the same way whenever Ireland play rugby, which is, I'm not going to enjoy watching this. It's going to be going through the phases until someone gets bored <laughs> or, or makes a mistake. And the Irish power in at least their like men's rugby team is their ability to not get bored of themselves. Like other teams get bored of them first and that's sort of how they win. Um, they looked dangerous in possession. I was yeah. really, I started to get really unsettled. The kind of, yeah, second 20 minutes of that first half. I thought like we just we just could not get our hands on it. They yeah, were so... sorry, I'm a I'm a bitter little Welsh <laughs> wench. How dare I, the Irish boy? I'm bored of them because it means we don't get the ball off yeah. them. Well done, Ireland. Yeah, I mean it was yeah it was incredible. And actually, I was thinking you know it's kind of like uh, Wales France in 2011. You know, like we battled and battled and battled and should and could have won that game and didn't. Yeah. And I felt for Ireland. I think the difference is that that red was a clear red. I don't think Sam Orton's red was a clear red still, you know, um, and we had a few kicks that we missed. And, you know, it was just, it was a heroic um, attempt and yet we fell short. And I thought Ireland gave it everything, but also let themselves down at key points with some silly decisions or silly mistakes. They made a few sort of uncharacteristic errors, mm. I think, that, for all the patience of the build-up and the way that they were sort of moving it left to right, which was really, yeah, like you said, dangerous. A little bit, it was a little bit like watching England yesterday where the sort of things, like the moment it went out wide, it was like they got a little bit too excited (laughs) and suddenly made a bit of a mistake. Something had to have happened at half time because we did show composure at the start of the second half. We it was clear that we knew what we needed to do. But even then it was it was still we were to in and fro in, weren't we? They were coming back into it, we were coming yeah. back into it, we were both making errors. I yeah, it was tense, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel unwell. Everybody in Wales is like, please boys, please do something magical that lifts us out of this torrid state that we're in and the reality is those boys are also in the same torrid state and yes it is their job to be athletes and entertainers but at the same time when they're not training when they're not on the pitch they are doing what we are doing and and it's hard and and like a really I really feel like the teams that will do well in this Six Nations are not just the teams that will play good rugby, they'll be the teams that have found the strongest coping mechanisms to kind of help them feel safe and part of a community and connected. Oh, I'm having a real existential moment here. I think partly because this is the natural cycle of being a Welsh rugby fan where the highs and the tension, it's been, what, about an hour or so since the game finished and now I'm starting to kind of pickle in my own self-doubt and, like, Welsh uh, self-examination. Because inevitably, if you're a Welsh rugby fan, especially if you're a Welsh rugby fan who doesn't live in Wales, so you have to interact with non-Welsh people on a daily basis, 
you have to start thinking about how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to respond to the jokes that are coming my way or the inevitable jibes that uh, that will face me in the week ahead? France could definitely do the Grand Slam this year. Like, I would love them to do the Grand Slam. Scotland, if they get the wind in their sails, could also, on an outside chance win the Six Nations. The last time they won the Six Nations was when it was the Five Nations in 1999. Like, come on, Scotland. Um, And come on, rugby. Like, they played great rugby. Like, yeah, you know, they're they're great to watch. They're enjoyable. They've got nice vibes as a team. Good accents. And then that would set up what we were talking about earlier, which is Finn and Farrell, 10 and 12 for the Lions. Maybe it would force Gatland's hand because Finn is not a Gatland player, is he? But that would push the envelope. Is that the phrase? Oh, I've pushed the envelope. You're the English major. Yeah, but it wasn't like a Proverbs major. What are the positives? Can we just go back? Because we were... um, we were pleased by George North. We were pleased by Alan Wynne-Jones. Yeah. Love seeing George North get at it, just being, like, at it. What else? We were pleased with... I mean, the finish from Reese Samit was oh. insane. Get that man more of the ball. Wynne-Jones, great game. I thought Thomas Francis as well, who often gives away a lot of penalties internationally, was also really well disciplined, made a lot of tackles. Scrum was solid. They were quite solid under the high ball, I thought. A few kind of iffy passes, a few knock-ons. But that's just rust, isn't it? I mean, let's just take the positive, which is like the victory. Yeah, the positive is they did not lose to the 14 Irishmen on the pitch. That is massive because that like very easily could have happened. I'll read out some of the innuendos that we've been texting back and forth from the commentary. But one of them is not an innuendo. Anyway, Wayne Barnes describing the red card like a chicken wing action. That's Wayne. Um, And then much later on when Georgie North got um, what looked a bit like I gouged, just got a stray finger. (laughs) <laughs> you told me I couldn't no, say that No, I know, that's because I wanted to say it. <laughs> and then finally, I actually don't know if I can say this without laughing, sorry. Jiffy, two ripped balls there. Um, <laughs> so, that yeah, that was some positive, that made me laugh. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up yesterday, but I didn't because I wanted to see what they did today, was... Um, the rugby against racism pre-match statement and how the players did or didn't respond to it so no one knelt today so four scots did and then i think it was six of the english didn't so i be thinking about this a lot over the weekend and uh talking about it a bit and I think the responsibility seems to me to ultimately lie with the unions not just within themselves but to speak to each other to take the issue seriously and also communicate with each other one what their stance is like 
rugby against racism feels a bit like a sort of, well, is a tokenistic gesture right now. If you read the way it was introduced across the weekend, like some people are going to kneel, some people aren't. Um, and the, the statements from the unions saying players are free to choose what to do at their own discretion, which kind of, to me, as a rugby fan and someone who cares about the issue, sends a message that sounds like we don't really care slash we are misinterpreting what taking the knee means. It, it is a symbolic gesture of solidarity that says, I am against mm-hmm. racism. Mm-hmm. So having that statement at the start of the game that they read out being like, rugby is against racism in sport and in all mm. forms. And then having some people take the knee and not take yeah. the knee. Like, please, like, let's have have a conversation and really talk about what that gesture is, what your position is. Um, it feels like it's something that has um, has been really poorly handed down to the players and miscommunicated to them about what the gesture is and why they're doing it. It sounds like the language they used around it was already making um, presumptions about what that gesture was when really, like, the message or the idea behind it was to show solidarity that everybody in rugby is against racism and that rugby is not a place for it. Yeah. Are you against racism? Yes or no? Like, that is all that is. And so you take the knee to show that that is my position. And yes, it's a difficult issue that we need to talk about and grapple with and learn about and research and challenge ourselves, challenge our first reactions and instincts. But fundamentally, I am against this as a thing in sport and in society and we're united in it we all do it because we are a team and we are all against racism like that that should be a given Mm. um i think it's it's been the way it's been handled now reads like it's not taken seriously by those governing bodies and by those teams and institutions and exactly like you said that that would make me feel vulnerable or like that would make it very difficult for me to trust my fellow players I think and and it's also it's about the doing of the same thing the way that reads that that reads as a united stand like kneeling is not a violent gesture but but also what taking the knee means is not violence, it's the exact opposite. Like, it, it is a protest against violence. I know we are not, in terms of our experiences, the most qualified to talk about it, but at the same time, as rugby fans, as people who are against racism and also want to personally grapple with how they might have also been part of a lot of these... Um, institutions or structures as well like as many mistakes as I know I will make along the way in talking about it I will try I I will try and talk about it like I I know sometimes I don't have the words I think that's partly the point though we then can invite feedback from other people who have a different take which then informs learning and informs the development of yeah your position on it and 
Um, we will talk more. I, I would really love us to do some research, find some people who we can chat to and really look at rugby, racism and particularly like profiling of players and the way they're coached and the positions that they're coached for because I think that's something that we don't really look at a lot but um, is a big part of of that issue around race and class and access in um, in rugby. I feel emotionally exhausted mm. and I feel... I don't know if what we've said has made sense. It might have been a very raw reaction and I also don't know if I've been as articulate or as direct as I want it to be. But I'm also like, nah, I'm coming for it. Like, these are the things that I... That, that stirred something in me or that made me concerned or think or feel. Yeah, it's important to be um, vulnerable and be willing to speak and thrash things around and figure it out and maybe get it wrong and maybe not be yeah. very articulate and be a bit clumsy and uncertain that's part of it I think it's much safer to be like oh well we won't cover that yet because we're not ready or we haven't thought it yeah. through or um, we haven't done all the reading so I I'm keen that this podcast is a place where we can just try it out and see see what happens and figure things out as we go and be willing to make mistakes and get it wrong and um and regret things and revisit things and I think that's yeah that's part of it so um and I find that terrifying but it's a work on and I'm growing in that area and I say let's be bold let's go with it um and hope that our fan is gracious <laughs> so again this is a wide-ranging far-reaching podcast um shall we try and finish with something positive that we're looking forward to for next week I am looking forward to seeing how Wales responds to this today. They have managed to secure a win, and but they'll know that that was not good enough. Um, so I am looking forward to seeing how they bounce back, band together, and come at a jubilant resurgent Scotland. My positive is that we are all going to get together and chat again, yes, pre-game, mid-game, post-game, yeah. and that just brings me joy. Yeah. Should I wash my shirt in the interim? I think you should. We didn't touch on Lowe and his left boot and how impressive that was, but I don't know that we need to, do we? Lowe touches on Lowe <laughs> and his left low boot. Lowe on Lowe. <laughs> Maybe that could be a regular yeah. feature, Lowe on Lowe. <laughs> Right, I'm going to go eat my roast dinner and crack open that bottle of red. With some chard on the side. Uh, get a chard on. <laughs> <laughs> Descending into filth one more time. So actually, I could have put that flipping bet on, couldn't I? France, Scotland, Wales. What would those odds have been, I wonder? Man, that would have been a sweet little bet. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't you use the word, don't, don't, don't call it a sweet little bet. No, no, no. Man, this, this can't happen. This can't happen. Man.